As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Matt Goldman. Today we talked with Neil Patel. He's worked on a lot of projects, including Crazy Egg, Quick Sprout, and Kiss Metrics. And today we got into everything. We've talked about everything from lifestyle marketing to how he juggles them, which really just comes down to hustle, and the differences between running a self-funded and a venture-funded business. What do you guys think? Yeah, this one was pretty cool to hear all the different things he's working on. And the part I found actually most interesting is when he was calling out some of the things that companies keep doing that they're missing the mark on, like not starting to market early enough, not really listening to their customers, just building what they want. Things we all kind of know, but we forget, you know, how prevalent that really is in, in our industry. Yeah, and he, he gave some great tips on how to 
become a contributor at Forbes and Inc and entrepreneur.com, um, which I think anyone can use. And it wasn't based on using his name. It was, it was just a great strategy. So definitely listen for that. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Hover makes purchasing and managing your domain simple and easy. This week, I talked to Max from Y Decision about the first website he ever made. So the first site I ever built was uh, my own portfolio website. Uh, this is way back in, in 1998 in San Francisco. I was at a trade show and met a design company from San Diego. I told them, yeah, I'm all, I'm all into Flash. I'm the best Flash guy ever. They're like, wait, why don't you send me your work? I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Uh, you know pretty soon. And then I had two week crash course into uh, Flash and I made myself a little portfolio website, weird animations, a little bobbly heads turning on lights. And it was funny. I gotta, I gotta dig that up. And, and that got you a pretty big contract, right? Uh, no, you know, funny enough, I never heard from them yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Go to hover.com and use the code satisfied customers to get 10% off your domain purchase today. HostGator is the easiest way to get your business up and running fast. This week, I talked to their marketing coordinator, Kyler, about the history of HostGator. So we've been around since 2002. Brent Oxley actually kind of created us in his dorm room in Florida. And he was answering tickets in his class. He was doing work at home. And eventually, he just dropped out and decided he really wanted to do this full time. Go to HostGator forward slash promo forward slash rocket ship to get 30% off today. You've heard me rave about CodeShip before. It's because they're an incredible team building an amazing product that makes my days happier and my code more reliable. Recently, they shipped an incredible new feature. It's called Parallel CI, and it allows for faster testing than ever before. Early access customers like Product Hunt have improved their development speed tremendously. If you haven't yet, tell your dev team to start a free trial. They have a super generous free plan, and they also offer 20% off three months to all Rocketship listeners. Sign up at codeship.com forward slash Rocketship. Tell us a bit about what you're working on, Neil. So right now I'm working mainly on Crazy Egg, a low bar, Quick Sprout, and then I also blog on neilpatel.com, which is a new blog I started. All I'm doing right now is just trying to grow my software companies, right? Get more users using them, trying to figure out how to improve the products, reduce churn. But it's a bit of everything right now. I need to focus a bit more, but um, I do enjoy working on products that help marketers, you know, solve their problems. And you've been doing this for a long time. Crazy Egg was self-funded. Kissmetrics was, uh, you guys raised venture capital, right? That's correct. So Crazy Egg is self-funded. A little bar is self-funded as well. Kissmetrics, we raise, uh, I don't know how much we raise. It's over 10 million, under 20 million, somewhere in that range. And then... Quicksprout, tell us about that. So Quicksprout is my personal blog. I write about content marketing and just try to help companies grow their traffic. And something that you, you've written about lately is lifestyle marketing, which I hadn't heard about before. Could you share with us what that little experiment was like and what you learned from it? Yeah, it's actually funny. So out on the web, you see a lot of people posting pictures. Pictures of Lamborghinis, fancy homes, hotels, etc. right? Mm -hmm. So I thought to myself... What would happen if I actually started leveraging some of this lifestyle stuff, right? So I decided to test it out. I decided to, you know, see if a fancy watch could help me, wearing nice clothes, etc., right? So I started to do a bit of everything to see what would end up happening. Would I end up getting more visitors to my site? Would more people want to do business with me? And it was funny. Sadly, this world is a materialistic place in which 
if you dress successful, if you act like you have money, people feel you're more successful and they're more likely to do business with you. Now, it doesn't work that way in all regions, such as San Francisco is not that way, but the majority of the U.S. seems to be that way. So what did you see that made you want to experiment that in the first place? Have you just been seeing specific things or trends going on that made you feel like, hey, let me give this a try and see if there's something here? Yeah, so my buddy Timothy Sykes, who's a stock trader, he's been doing lifestyle marketing for years, and he's like, you should check it out. It's worked extremely well for me. And I've seen his stats and his numbers, and it actually has, right? The proof is in the pudding. What I quickly learned is it doesn't work as well for me as it does for him because his business is a consumer-facing business, while mine, my customers are mainly B2Bs, right, other businesses. So I tend not to uh, see the same rewards as he does from lifestyle marketing, but nonetheless, it is effective. Tell us, you know, in a little more detail, like what you did and what your experience was um, spending time doing this. The moment you do lifestyle marketing, from a business aspect, especially if you're not targeting consumers, if you show that you're successful, you're not too flashy, people automatically assume you must be doing really well and you're successful. And because of that, they want to work with you in hopes that some of your success will rub off on them. So you mentioned that it didn't work as well in the B2B. Was there anything that you could take into your world, anything that you still do today from these experiments? Yeah, so I think dressing nice helps the most in the B2B world. Reason being is if you have a nice suit or nice clothes, people assume that you're a well-off business guy. And for that, they're more likely to do business with you. That's at least what I found out. Cool. Yeah. You do a lot of, of writing and you've been able to, to kind of I don't know, distribute your content on like Forbes and Entrepreneur, TechCrunch. I'd love to hear some advice on how those relationships get built over time and, and how someone who wants to be able to, to write and, and have the distribution that you do could get there. Yeah. So the best way to actually get those is through networking. What I do okay. is I go find other contributors on Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, etc. I hit them up. I get to know them. I give them feedback on their blog posts. I'm like, hey, you wrote about X, Y, and Z. Have you ever thought about mentioning A, B, and C as well? It'll work great and actually benefit your readers, right? So I give them a lot of tips like that. And after I build some sort of rapport relationship with that individual, then later on I'll ask them like, hey, do you mind actually doing an introduction to Forbes? I would love to contribute as well, right? And I found that that's a great way to actually get introduced and get on these sites. Because Forbes, no matter who you are, right, unless you're like really famous, like even me, if I hit up Forbes through a cold approach, they don't know who I am. They're not going to necessarily want to take everything I'm, you know, doing or often be like, yes, we want you to blog, right? Interesting. So it's like building relationships and getting introduced by other contributors pulls a lot of weight because if Forbes is like, well, hey, this other guy, Jason, already blogs for us. And if he says that, you know, you should also blog for us, we like his posts. Why not give you a shot? Huh. So what um, what's kind of the requirement once you start talking to them? Do they like to see other posts? Do they give you topics? What does the relationship look like? Yeah, they usually want to see other posts. Um, if you don't have any other posts, you can write a rough draft, send it to them, and then they'll tell you if they're interested in having you write. And then okay. once you submit a few posts that they do like, then they just say, hey, can you become a regular contributor and submit a lot of content to us, right? When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. 
N. Backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. That's cool. So you are are kind of well known as putting yourself out there in order to drive traffic back to your different properties. How do you manage that funnel? Or do you even not worry about it? But you have multiple properties that potentially someone could purchase from you. How do you focus that when you're writing content? To be honest, I don't even worry about that. I link okay. to any of my companies when it's relevant and it makes sense and whatever happens, happens. I'm a big believer if I educate and I write the best information out there, eventually people will want to follow me and learn from me. Yeah, I think that's true. So right now you're focused on Crazy Egg again. What should we look for coming up? Are there any big product changes coming? Yeah, there are. We're getting into the A-B testing market and soon enough you'll be able to run A-B tests within Crazy Egg. Nice. Yeah, that's huge. We've seen huge growth in Optimizely. Correct. So we're going to go after their market. That's great. And San Francisco is actually one of the, they were, Optimizely was in the top 10 most used SaaS software in San Francisco, which I thought was interesting. So if you were just starting out and you're, you don't know what to write about, what did you write about in the early days? How did you get your content? So the way I get my content is I find out what people need help with what problems they face i survey people i interview friends right i just ask around and then from there i start writing the content pieces that most people seem to want to read about so but when you're not an expert how do you do you just kind of go for it or go for it you do your research you learn nowadays you can also use tools we didn't have them back in the day when i started like buzz sumo where you can like do a quick search for any keyword and it'll tell you all the popular content pieces on that subject and what's working and what doesn't work. You've worked across, like we said, the VC funded route and the self-funded route. When you're growing those two companies along, you know, kind of the same timeline, what's the big difference been? What kind of constraints have been placed on Crazy Egg and how have you gotten around those? With venture funded companies, you can grow a lot faster because you have a large sum of capital. The big constraint is you do have multiple cooks in the kitchen. You got to like try to please everyone, right? But investors usually want what's best for the business. They're not too hard to deal with. Let's self-funded. You have more control. You can do whatever you want, right? Um, both approaches are good. Like if you're trying to create that billion dollar company, money is valuable and you should try to raise it. If you're trying to create that flexible lifestyle and do whatever you want, self-funded is usually a better approach. So when did things start to pick up with Crazy Egg where the funding differences didn't really affect the product as much? After like the fourth year of being in business, because our profit margins are so high, like if someone put in a $10 million check or $20 million check, it really wouldn't affect the business. We just couldn't spend the money fast enough, right? Other than to like buy more products or expand, which we're already doing like into A-B testing and increasing the market cap. But even then, right, there's already enough cash flow and profit for the business to sustain itself and keep growing without raising any money. And is your role strictly marketing at Crazy Egg? My role at Crazy Egg is a bit of marketing, a bit of uh, sales, right? Because we have a sales team and strategic, like working with the product team, making sure that the direction is good and also help coming up with like A-B tests and ideas. When did you guys form the sales team? At what point? We formed it late. It's only been uh, a year or so. So we should have formed it like three, four years ago, but we were late into doing it. It's something that, that we've thought about for our own product. And then I, I know a lot of the listeners 
are really focused on sales. Do you have any tips that you would give to people who are starting a team as far as who to start with or commission structure or incentives? Yep. First, start out selling yourself. You can learn all the objections and problems customers or potential customers may have. Once you figure out how to answer all of them, then go find two salespeople. Never one. I like doing two so that way they can compete against each other. Find someone who's hungry, doesn't require a huge base, someone who's ideally savvy enough that they understand your space and yet they have good communication and sales skills. Train them, be on calls with them for the first 30 days, help them close. And then from there, see what happens. And as it grows, you can keep adjusting and tweaking the process. What kind of sales incentives do you put in in for SaaS? Is it a percentage of the sale? Yes. yeah, you can, it depends. Like if you're in San Francisco, your base is probably going to be like five, six grand a month per sales rep plus commission. That could be another five, six grand a month. Sometimes it's even more on both ends. And how expensive does the product have to be to really justify a sales team or, or to get it so that a sales team would be incentivized to sell it? It ranges. Like you can even make money off of sales, even at a thousand dollar product. I like sticking with products at, at least a few thousand dollars and upwards, but you can make it profitable even at a thousand dollars a ticket price. Okay. So you still do a a lot of consulting. How do you have time in the day to uh, still uh, consult for you know some of the big clients that even you mentioned in the lifestyle business? Yeah, I don't consult too much actually. I get a ton of inquiries. I just don't take okay. on products. It's rare that I even take on one customer a month. Oh, okay, okay. Balancing your time between all these different projects is one thing, but how do you like change your mind frame from one to another? Do you physically go to a different space when you're working on Quick Sprout versus writing for your blog or working on Hello Bar? Or do you have some kind of method that helps you get your brain in the right place for switching gears? I don't really have that problem. I just crank. I think like everyone's blessed with the gift and I've been blessed with the gift that I'm pretty decent at business and I just crank and work. But then also my, the downfall is like, I have a hard time getting in the mindset of relaxing or taking a vacation or taking a break. So like, it doesn't matter what project I'm doing. I just love business in general. So I'm just able to crank. And you work with Heaton on all, th- all three of those projects. That's correct. Heaton is uh, one of the owners of QuickSpot as well. We're equal partners in everything that we do. And he's your brother-in-law, right? That's correct. He married my sister. And that's how I met him. My sister introduced us. What was it like before you met Heaton? What kind of stuff were you working on back then? And, and what changed when you started working with him? We were doing the same stuff. When I met him, I was 12 years old. When we started working <laughs> together, I was 16. So I was a young kid. I was just in high school. But our first business was a consulting company. We did that together. And what happened with that? Uh, it grew and we just kept expanding, but neither him or I like consulting. So we tended not to do much of it. Yeah, that's a common story. And so you used the money that you made from that to fund the, the next projects. The software companies. Yep. You got it right. And that was crazy. It was the first one. And what did you like about the software companies that you didn't like about consulting? What I liked about the software companies is you get reoccurring income. It's steady. And, you know, once you get a customer, they keep paying you for a very long time, assuming you've built a good product. So if you were starting over today, building something similar to Crazy Egg from scratch, and you didn't have an audience, how would you start out? The way I would start out is uh, probably paid advertising, guest posting, social media. So probably one of those three places. I would also try to do partnerships where people drive customers. Like, for example, there's hosting companies like HostGator and GoDaddy who don't have high margins. 
they'll gladly push customers over to you for a percentage of your revenue. So you're talking about like building out an integration and ending up in their app store. That's correct. Or affiliate program or partnership, right? Stuff like that. Yeah. And then you're with the, with the paid channels and social channels, you're basically trying to find people to talk to, to determine if you're on the right track. That's correct. Yes. Did you guys do that when you started crazy egg or was that something that you learned later on down the road? Sadly, I learned it later down the road. I wish I knew it all before I was starting crazy. You're working on a lot of different kinds of projects. So your experience is definitely range ranging from, you know, the blogging content marketing side of thing to the paid side, self-funded, funded. What do you see a lot of people missing the bar on? Um, I know that's kind of a broad question because everyone's working on you know, a whole spectrum of things, including yourself. But are there a couple things you can think of off the top of your head that you see like early stage companies doing time and time again that you just kind of go, oh, don't, not again. There's not one thing. It's a lot of things. Like most of them fail on creating products that are easy to use, right? Like I still see a big problem with that. Two is a lot of companies are creating products that are too feature rich. And then most people don't use any of the features. Three, a lot of companies aren't focusing on marketing early enough. Like you can create a blog, a corporate blog, even before your product launches. Why not build an audience that way when you have your product, you can market to that audience, right? So those are some of the big mistakes that I'm seeing. Also, a lot of people are stuck in their ways. They're building what they want versus understanding what their customers want. And instead of just asking customers like, hey, what do you want? And just building it, you actually got to understand the root of the problem, why they face it. And then you got to try to come up with the most ideal solution. Customers don't always know or people don't always know what their ideal solution is, but they do know what their problem is. So you got to help come up with the ideal solution and not just rely on them to just tell you, hey, solve this or do this for me. And does that vary customer by customer? Or do you guys have a process that's helped you get that information out and then act on it you know, in a way where you're not getting pulled in different directions? It varies customer by customer, right? You just got to pull out the information and then you have to come up with the solutions on your end and then go back to them and then figure out if it's actually a good solution or not. When you're talking about blogging and, and starting to build an audience before you have a product, these are the things that people were talking about years ago. And you know we've used them to our advantage and they've worked. But do you think that that's changing at all or getting more complicated the more content that gets out there and the more people that are you know able and quality enough to do guest posting? Does it get more difficult and have less appeal to the audience? It does. As time goes on, you know, the, the interesting thing, actually, if you think about it, with all the stuff that's going on the web is like, there's a shift, right? In which what's interesting to people now may not be interesting years from now. Everyone's doing content marketing. What was valuable five years ago is like, oh, that's just decent content now that's not great information like things are changing you got to keep up with the times and keep adapting and trying to improve everything that you're trying to do and just take to the next level so what do you think the next thing is as this starts to fade away i don't know what the next thing is i don't know if it's gonna fade away necessarily i just think things are gonna change right so it's like things will get like for example infographics are popular they have been for years I think infographics are going to get more visual 3D effects, right? Like animated infographics, et cetera. So I just think things are going to get better and improved upon it. Just like Facebook is a better version of MySpace. Yep. The, the quality bar that you have to meet keeps going up. Yeah. Very interesting. Can you tell everyone where they can keep up with you online? Yeah, they can keep up with me at clicksprout.com and neilpatel.com. Great. And are you on Twitter? I am. Neil Patel is my username. 
Perfect. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And make sure to check out our app discount section where we feature discounts from amazing companies like Treehouse, Wistia, Woo Themes, all giving you exclusive discounts for being a Rocketship listener. So go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials. Just one.